0: to the Country Hour on ABC Radio South Australia and Broken
1: Hill.
2: Hello, it's great to have your company today in this time period that is a little bit of a blur I think for a lot of people between Christmas and New Year, not really sure which day it is, so I'm here to tell you it's Wednesday the 28th of December, so we're almost at the end of 2023. I'm Cassie Hough, and uh, what a difference a day makes in the weather. It's much cooler, and that cool change has brought more than just relief for the day-to-day activities. It's also helped fire crews get on top of fires burning yesterday, particularly on the Eyre Peninsula. I'll have an update on them And I'm sure a lot of you enjoyed a pavlova over Christmas, perhaps strawberries in champagne or something like me. And if you're like me and you like your strawberries as sweet as possible, I have some good news about a new variety.
1: It's it's a lot sweeter than your average strawberries as such.
2: Some more details on that, but that is music to my ears. I do like strawberries, but they do have to be pretty sweet. But uh, we will stay with uh, some of the emergency information coming out of the River Murray at the moment. Uh, The uh, um, emergency warning has been issued for Carroll opposite Manham on the River Murray. Flooding is expected to cause isolation to your property there within about 24 hours due to the deterioration of flooding of East Front Road and Hunter Road at Gara. So regardless of your property's ability to withstand the flood effects, there is a chance you may become flooded. So you need to evacuate now. If you don't evacuate, you could be isolated or flooded and it might be too dangerous for emergency services to help you. So uh, leave now if you're certain the path is clear follow your emergency plan, take your mobile phone, charge your medication, all the things you need. And if you do need help, the SES phone number is 132500. Obviously, if it's a life-threatening issue, contact, uh, call, call 000, um, and there is some emergency accommodation if you can't find any, any at Manham. In particular, the passenger ferry between Kara and Manham and the associated bus service will continue to run until 12.30 today, so not much longer now, and then it is going to be closed uh, until further notice uh, to um, uh, people who are trying to use that because of the the closure of the Burdett and Hunter Road and the Wellington Ferry will be closed from midday today, uh, to everyone except emergency vehicles, so some updates there on the River Murray flooding situation. Now uh, there's a lot of activity happening in the River Murray area at the moment, uh, with people sandbagging and trying to protect homes as the the peak of the water makes its way through South Australia. And Eliza Burlage is out and about in the Riverland today, just seeing what's going on. Good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon, Cass. So uh, what's happening? I'm here happening? in Cobb Dogla. Uh, it's usually quite a beautiful, quiet place. Yeah, so I've been in the town of Cobb Dogla. It's usually um, quite quiet, uh, but we've had lots and lots of trucks going up and down the main street uh, with sand to keep those levees strong. Uh, and it has been protecting the town. Uh, while we've heard a lot about the levees that have been breached or that have failed, uh, yeah, this one is holding very strong and I'm, I'm here with Clarkie, who's uh, from Broken Hill. He's a, a truck driver with his earth-moving equipment and he's been driving busily around the Riverland. Clarkie, what's it what's it been like? I mean... Uh, you know, uh, bringing, uh, bringing all that sand around and coming into towns. you must be quite a welcome sight.
4: You know, trying to do our best and block all the water and do the banks and things. And I just hope we do it properly, you know, and hold the water back, you know, from flooding people out. It, it's been a very, very good, e- oh, not a good experience, but trying to do the best we can. Very
3: and you've yeah. come across from Broken Hill where there's been lots of flood water too. It's just an extraordinary time in history. Yeah, no, I think there is a real lot of water,
4: you know, because I was in Wilcannia and went to Ivanhoe the other day and there is a real lot of water flowing down the Tally Walker and Three Mile and all over the place. So there is a real lot of water to come yet.
3: Absolutely, and I'm here with John Dodd as well. Um, he came out to have a chat to Clarkie here because uh, he's been you've been quite happy to see all the trucks coming up and down. You're a Cobdoglad resident, yeah. You're feeling quite um, you're feeling quite secure about the way the levee's holding up.
4: Yes absolutely absolutely and what a sight when these uh, trucks rolled into town it was just great to see them and uh, especially for uh, elderly uh, people worried about their houses worried about the uh, the water and um and what's going to help us and uh, these these um be- travelled a long way to be here to do this uh, to be involved in this uh, job and build these levee banks and it's uh, just, uh, just been fabulous to see them. The neighbours are all saying to me, what can we do to help them? Can we take coffee over to them? Or how do we make these uh, guys welcome? Because of their, they realise this is our, uh, this is going to sa- save the place.
3: Absolutely. So. And I said there's a thank you sign out in front of a property here next door.
4: Yep. Yeah, so. Absolutely. You yeah. would have seen that, uh, yeah, Stevie? I've yeah. seen that when I first came here. I thought it was really, yeah, really absolutely. good. Yeah.
3: I've heard a lot about just how, um, I guess just to wrap up, you know, compared, it's not the same level of the 1956 flood, but just the, the improvements in technology and the equipment to keep keep things going. I mean, yeah, like just how much work and, and sand is involved in, in moving moving around and, and keeping the levees strong, uh, uh, Clarkie.
4: You know, we have shifted a lot of dirt and there is a real lot of effort gone into it and I'd like to thank everyone who's helped out in this situation.
3: Well, I think people are very grateful to see you. You must be as popular as Santa Claus this week. Thank you so much. That's Clarkey, he's a truck driver from Brogan Hill and John Dodd who's a Cobb Doggler resident who's been very happy uh, seeing all these trucks pushing dirt around and keeping those levees strong. Cast.
2: Yeah, sounds like they've been very welcome. Thanks for that, Eliza. Eliza Berlage there uh, in the the Riverland just uh, seeing what's happening out and about. Uh, I'm sure uh, people were very Glad to see people rock up to try and help protect these homes. It's good to hear people are coming together. From the uh, fires to, uh, sorry, from floods to fires, I should say, and lightning is believed to be the cause of the fires that started on the air peninsula yesterday. Conditions for firefighters have improved a lot today. Cooler temperatures, higher humidity, and some rainfall overnight has really helped things out. It's still going to be a bit windy on the fire ground. Ground crews are working there still today at Mount Wedge to slow the fire's spread and protect. Properties CFS State Duty Commander today, Mark Ryan has the latest. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. So the Mount Wedge fire has been the main focus. It was at watch and act level. It's been reduced now to an advice. How are things looking on the ground there?
5: Yeah, look, um, we had a we had a very successful today. Yesterday, with some really trying conditions, so. Uh, the fire did break containment lines early in the morning with the, the the weather that came up, with that particularly hot weather and the winds. Uh, but due to the, the really good work with local crews on the ground and our aircraft that uh, actively bombed the fire throughout the day, we were able to um, uh, in, ensure the fire at least was able to be steered away from assets. And uh, we're pleased to report that we've had no losses as of uh, as of this morning.
2: That is good to hear. What's your focus today?
5: Today, uh, we've, we've got a window of uh, two or three days of quite good and benign weather. Uh, so as a result, we've brought in additional result, uh, resources from the Adelaide Hills uh, and also from our partner agencies in national parks. Uh, and we're going to have uh, over 35 firefighters working around the perimeter of the fire today. And uh, they'll be supported by seven aircraft and we've got 14 others on standby across the state ready to come in and assist if we need be. And the focus will now be around consolidating our our control lines and making sure that the the fire is really blacked out before we get, um, we, you know, we know that the way these weather patterns work over summer and it'll only be um, a matter of time till we start getting the heated um, change come through again. So we're, we're very much focused over the next two to three days around getting consolidated containment lines and ensuring that the fire is properly mopped up.
2: That cool change did make all the difference, I understand.
5: Oh, absolutely, it did very much did. It, um, uh, ahead of the change last night, uh, the weather was quite erratic um, to a point that uh, uh, we actually had to pull firefighters off the fire ground um, due to some of the local conditions that were burning, but um, uh, there was a deal of uh, preparation work done in the morning around assets in front of the, the fire, and uh, there was one particular asset that we'd identified that would have been at risk uh, the fire didn't reach that point, but there was a, a, a really good deal of effort done between uh, locals and farmers and, and the Country Fire Service and uh, just preparing those properties, um, communicating out and, and looking at risk. But well, as I said, we're, we're certainly not out of the woods yet, but it's looking it's looking much better this morning.
2: Yeah, it has cooled off quite a lot. Is there still smoke affecting the towns of Minipa, Kankata and, and Woodna?
5: Yeah, certainly not as bad as yesterday, but what we will see is, uh, and we will see this fire continue to burn within containment lines for, for some days yet, uh, particularly I, I would suggest for the next two to three days, we will see um, periods where the fire will come out uh, into unburnt country. Uh, and the job and the focus of our firefighters will be to keep it behind the containment lines. But, yeah, we, we expect that people in the local area will see isolated air pockets of smoke coming up uh, through the morning, afternoon, and even particularly in the evening as the fire progresses towards the containment lines.
2: There are a couple of little hotspots as well on the Air Peninsula, a couple of other hotspots as well on the Air Peninsula. Nonning uh, saw some activity, but how's that going?
5: Yeah, look, Nonning, we're we're quite comfortable with. Nonning now, We we did a... Uh, aerial flight over that yesterday and it identified a couple of hot spots of which the crews worked in uh, in some really really hot conditions yesterday and they got out and looked at those hotspots. spots where we're very comfortable uh this morning after looking at the non fire, that that fire will remain contained uh but we'll have crews there for the next few days patrolling and ensuring that it remains that way we we're we're, we're quite confident that both that <coughs> excuse me both the fire's uh, did start by lightning, uh, and so the, the, sooner, the sooner we can get to those ignitions and try and wrap them up, the better.
2: Nonning and Mount Wedge were started by, by lightning?
5: Yeah, we haven't had that confirmed. We'll, we'll have our fire cause investigators confirm that in, once it's safe for them to do so. But so, <coughs> excuse me. certainly the indication is that uh, there was lightning in the area around the times of ignition on Christmas Day and then again on Boxing Day.
2: Is there any forecast of lightning for the coming days?
5: Uh, it's reduced from the last two days. So with that change coming through, we don't see that superheated air which reduces that. So there there is, I believe, that there is a small chance but nowhere near the the predictions that we saw over the Christmas and uh, Boxing Day period.
2: Well, hopefully everything does settle down and uh, you can make the most of this cool change. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks very much. CFS State Duty Commander Mark Ryan and CFS crews are also in attendance at a rubbish fire on a property at Tillers Road Y where the fire is controlled, but it's likely to burn for several days as well. It's 21 minutes past 12.
0: This is ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill.
2: A new variety of strawberry has hit Australian shelves for the first time and they're all grown in Tasmania. It's called the Zara strawberry. Apparently, it's sweeter than other strawberries, which is good news for me. I like a very sweet strawberry. You get Meg Powell headed to a berry patch to get a bit of a taste test from Cameron Folder from Costa Berries and Marius Bazaar, us, uh, I should say, from Driscoll's, Australia.
1: So we've got uh, some of the very first um Zara strawberries um Zara it's a new variety um that has been commercialized in in, in Tasmania It's the variety that it goes uh, in our sweetest batch uh label that's uh, a super sweet strawberries um for uh, for the Australian customers so a nice red uh shiny strawberry
3: very perfect looking looks like a cartoon even Okay, can I get you to take a big bite out of it and then describe <laughs> me
2: the
6: flavour?
1: Yeah, sure thing, why not? It's, uh, I've done that a few times. Yeah. Let's. Mmm, uh, <laughs> this is really good. So what what we've got in the Zara and why it's so so special is really a very strong, authentic flavour. I would I would call it. It's uh, it's a lot sweeter than your average strawberries as such, um, and this is on the back of. Um, um, the genetic improvement, as such, the work that our breeders are are always doing um, while they select new genetics, but also um, the way that uh, that um, Cameron and his team, the growers in Tasmania, are are growing the variety. It's a lot in the, in in what the growers are doing to to get that sweetness and the pop in flavor in the strawberries.
6: Sounds delightful. Are they growing anywhere else?
1: So um, in the, the currently only in, in Tasmania, in Australia, the variety is commercial in, in UK and has been um, sold as a premium strawberry in UK since 2017. So um, 2022, the first year uh, for, for it in Australia.
3: You've got a million of these Zara plants
6: here now. How long have you been working on this?
1: So uh, it's, it's been a while in the making as such. Uh, we've started working on the Sweetest Batch strawberry program since 2018, uh, when we've had the first uh, two um, strawberry plants arriving in, in, in Australia, um, effectively trialing it from 2020. Um, and that was really to perfection the um, growing techniques uh, and fine tune them to the Tasmanian climate. So you would say uh, four years all, all up to get to uh, a million plants where we are today
3: is that fast it sounds fast to me uh yeah
1: it's fast i think uh, you know when we're looking at our our processes where we've got uh, everything fairly well refined and in a lean process to to accelerate um the deployment of new varieties um that are are worth uh, the effort as such yeah interesting that you know you get a group of people like us here and you have a discussion and something go oh that's a bit sweet or i prefer something sour but i think um sales data tells a different story and definitely the um the sweeter um, and so and not so much in strawberries, but the other berry size. Um, really, we're seeing good, good consumer demand for for sweeter, larger um, berries.
3: Are these on the shelves yet?
1: Yes, yes, it is. It is on the shelf. So um, uh, it's been uh, available for about uh, three weeks now in uh, Tasmania and on the mainland. Is this variety, as well, has been sweet we talked about that a lot and the flavor of it but it's also had a few um attributes as a grower that have been good which actually translate for a, a um, consumer as well and they're fairly firm uh, they're a mid-size sort of berry they're not the really big ones they're sort of medium-sized strawberry perfect shape firm good shelf life they'll last a long time so yeah to really enjoy the the flavor of Of the strawberries from a consumer perspective the best would be to um, bring fruit to ambient temperature keep them out of the fridge for a couple of hours before you consume them and that way you'll really uh, enjoy the the flavor of of the new sweetest batch strawberries like a cheese that's exactly right (laughs)
2: Love to hear about new fruits that are available. That was Marius Borza from Driscolls, Australia. And he was giving Meg Powell a taste of Australia's newest strawberry variety, the Zara. Might be one to keep a, a lookout for if you like to try your new strawberries or a new varieties of any fruit. Um, wouldn't mind keeping an eye out for that myself. Now, uh, before we get to weather, we just heard from Eliza Berlage, but uh, this week we're just having a bit of a look back through the regions. And we're going to look at the Riverland this. Year. Obviously, the floods have been the biggest issue facing uh, the Riverlands this year. But beyond that, uh, 2022 has been a bit of a challenging year for farmers uh, in the Riverlands and Mallee region as well. So Eliza took a look at some of the stories that have made headlines.
3: Riverland grape growers are anxiously preparing for a difficult vintage in 2023 with low prices for Shiraz and Cabernet Sauvignon wine. Riverland Wine requested $5 million from federal governments for support for grape growers.
7: Lyndall Rowe, Executive Officer. So what we're searching for is support from the government to do two things, assist wineries to sell more wine in new and existing markets, and two, to support growers to transition to new product mixes. This comes simply because we've got one crisis on top of another crisis. So What what we've had over the last few years is the China tariffs, shipping and then of course the cost of inflation rising and rising and it's just impacting and impacting. What we have is an inventory problem because there's uh, no storage for red wine at the moment and we're coming into a new season and it's looking like around 40% of red wine grapes and what I mean by that is Shiraz and Cabernet that are uncontracted, have no home. So you you can just imagine that impact on families, on business, on a community.
3: Fruit fly restrictions in the Riverland have now entered its third year and growers are becoming concerned the pest can't be eradicated. When Raj Gulman and her husband, Jujar Singhbal, took over a successful stone fruit business in Renmark North, they didn't factor in the costs of managing fruit fly.
6: It's too much cost coming to us because uh, we are doing the sprays, and especially with the wastage. We need to pay the wastage to dumping it. And uh, nobody help us. We try with the persa even to help us because this year, because of the weather, too much problem with the fruit, too much soft and uh, hail marks. So everything in go- mostly going into the wastage. So this is a loss. We got uh, also paying to the pick our wastage, the, like a truck coming, and to, we need to pay to them to pick our wastage. And still the spray is too much costly because they give us their own protocols so we need to follow their protocols and they're very costly if you not uh, follow the ca32 spray program then you need to the fumigation if you want to send the fruit earlier fumigation cost or spray cost this is the main one and the little things coming like you need to follow the audits and send the paperwork to them the other one is you need to buy the special fruit fly nets. Do you think that primary industries will be able to eradicate fruit fly? I don't know. I don't know because every two months they say, oh, we are finishing December, then there are two months more, two months more. I don't think so. I don't think so. We are, I don't have any hope. But it's not all bad news.
3: After a long dry spell, grain growers are having their best season in living memory. No, I'm
0: Park Yeah, I'm a farmer from back of Maroops. Ward I uh, Things are looking very good, especially compared to last year. Last year we hit, ne- nearly had no harvest. Yeah, I'm reasonably young. It's probably the best harvest I've seen. But a lot of people compare it to 2010. We're probably a little bit off of that. Cause we did miss out in July, August. But other side of Loxton it looks fantastic. Probably the best year that I've ever had.
3: A few areas across the, the Mallee and the Riverland uh, got quite a lot more rainfall than they normally do. Um, what's the result been for all your crops? How have they been looking?
0: Yeah, they're looking quite good. Um, we're above average yield, well and truly. Did get a little bit of yield defect in July and August, and we were quite dry. But besides that, the wet spring really picked it all up and we're looking quite good.
3: Oh, that's amazing. And uh, Any particular standout crops this year that you're really impressed with?
0: Uh, probably the wheat. The wheat has picked up the most, especially that sort of handled the July-August dryness a bit easier because it was a bit um, less advanced compared to the barley. So this should be quite nice to reap once we get into it. But it's been a very good season. Prices are very good. So hopefully it'll be a year we talk about for the future.
2: Well, Pilka Grain Grower Clark Show, we're speaking with Eliza Burlar as that look at the year that was in the Riverland and Mallee. We'll head across to the Bureau of Meteorology now, though, to get the latest in weather. Senior Forecaster Vince Rollins has the latest. Good afternoon.
8: Hello, Cassie.
2: How are things looking around the state now that this cold change has made its way oh,
8: through? Much cooler, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, some pretty big differences in temperature between yesterday and today in a few places up to around sort of 15 to 20 degrees in some locations. But, yeah, that uh, change has pushed into the northeast pastoral district now, so much cooler behind. It's still pretty hot uh, just ahead of it, but still got to a reasonable amount of clouds sitting over the state and just a... Uh, a line of showers and thunderstorms just sitting over the south of the the pastoral districts at the moment it hasn't really produced a lot of rainfall. Just having a look at some of the you know, higher rainfall totals that we received up to 9am this morning. As um, Moomba had 12 millimetres, uh, Laura in the mid north had 12, and uh, Bruce 9.2, Port Augusta 9.2, and Port Pirie. 7.8 with a few places around the Mount Lofty Ranges getting up to about six or seven millimetres as well. So no real standout rainfall totals, but, uh, yeah, some uh, some nice little falls uh, through parts of the, the state over the last 24 hours. And so far, since 9 a.m. today, we've had uh, yeah, a couple more millimetres at Yunta and Roxby Downs and a little bit around the Clare region. But, yeah, all that activity is certainly uh, continuing to track uh, northwards, so we'll look at uh, the showers and thunderstorms confined to the northeast pastoral district and the, the north of the northwest pastoral di- district during tomorrow, but continuing to contract northeastwards and clearing by uh, late Thursday. So, not much more activity around, and certainly for the remainder of the forecast period, we're looking at uh, generally dry conditions across the state. Um, Yeah, so not a lot happening once we get through uh, today and tomorrow, Cassie. But uh, temperature-wise, yeah, much cooler behind that change. We will see those cooler temperatures pushing up into the far northeast uh, during tomorrow as well. So cooler conditions uh, throughout. But uh, as we head towards the weekend, we get this the high-pressure system that's um, producing these southeasterly winds just tracks eastwards. We start to see the winds go a little bit more east to northeasterly. So we will see temperatures, particularly over northern parts of the state, warming up Uh over the next uh, few days. So basically from Friday right through the weekend, uh, getting very hot again up in the north. So we will see a return to some very hot temperatures up through there. So uh, just be aware of those as we head into the next few days.
2: Thanks for that, Vince Rollins, with that weather update. In the far west of New South Wales, the upper western will be partly cloudy. There's a slight chance of a shower in the south west and maybe a thunderstorm as well. Overnight, temps are getting down to between 19 and 24 degrees, but during the day, it's still very warm, 31 to 38 degrees. The lower western will be partly cloudy and there's a slight chance of a shower in the north, maybe a thunderstorm as well. Overnight, temperatures getting down to between 13 and 20, but the daytime temperatures are reaching around 30 degrees. That's all we have time for in the program, Let's check back to the cricket. Now Australia is seven for four hundred and seventy-nine.